We hope you enjoy this podcast from Light Church Edithburg. To find out more about us, visit lightchurch.co. We've been in our very good news series, um, and um, the first thing, just to recap a little bit, the first thing that Jesus said in the book of Mark, the first thing recorded that Jesus said is in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, and it says this. What does that say? Thanks, Andy. The time is fulfilled. This is what Jesus said. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. The word gospel means good news. We should know that by now. We've been talking about that for a while. And uh, the gospel doesn't mean just uh, good news, but very good news. Let's remember that it was an announcement that changed everything, an announcement that, uh, that changed the world, actually. Changed the world at the time. Uh, this weekend we celebrate the 75th anniversary of the end of World War II. You might have seen that. And uh, uh, when that happened, the world changed. People were released. People, uh, prisoners of war were released. Families were re re uh, reunited. Borders of countries were changed. Um, people were set free. It was, an, it was a moment that changed the world. And this is what this term gospel or good news means. Uh, a relief for so many. And uh, the word gospel was come to represent what happened when Jesus came, he lived, he died and he rose again. Now we've been reading the book of Romans. I've, I hope you have a shot at reading the book of Romans. Sometimes when you read the book of Romans it can, it can be a little bit of a tough read. You think, what's happening here? You know when these letters were written, they were written to be read. So they weren't sent like to you in the mail because it didn't work that way. They're actually quite expensive to construct and then someone would go along and someone would read them out, a bit like a performance. They would read them out and there's all sorts of ways they did that and they read them from start to finish to get a, a, a big uh, idea of what the book was all about because not many people were probably literate to be able to read and that's, that's the way they were constructed. And... Uh, if you've been reading the book of Romans, and I encourage you to, to do, Paul understands or unwraps what his understanding of the good news is. And if, if, you, if you've got a Bible, look at the first chapter of the book of Romans. Verse 1, chapter 1. Let's read a couple of verses, and you'll see this word gospel or good news here. This is a letter from Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach the good news, same word, the gospel. God promised this good news long ago through his prophets and the holy scriptures. The good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's line. He was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit he is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through Christ, God has given us this privilege and authority as, as apostles to tell the Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey and bring glory to his name. So this is Paul's whole message. It's about the gospel. It's Jesus came, he died, he rose again. So that's the announcement. That's the headlines. That's like on the front of the paper. Jesus came, 
He became our king. He died. He rose again. And if you if you still got that um, page open, go down to verse 17. Uh, this good news or this gospel, same word, tells us how God makes us right in his sight. That's how he does it. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. So this whole gospel, this whole good news is so we can be right with God. And uh, um, in the next few chapters, Paul starts to unwrap a little bit about that. And um, he outlines the problem we all have. And he talks about the problem uh, everybody in the world has sort of missed the mark. And uh, all people are trapped in this sort of spiral of something called sin, whether you're a Jew or not a Jew, because he was writing to, to the Roman church where they had Jews in there and non-Jews in there, in that church. And he unpacks how all people are, are in need of this good news. And it goes a little bit like this. This is my paraphrase. We were created to worship God. And even if you never heard of God, you can see the goodness of God in creation. But what we did is instead of worshipping the creator, people started worshipping created things. So whether it's a person or a money or a picture of a dog or whatever it might be. And when that happened, things go wrong. And then it starts to uh, tell what, ha what, it, what would happen when people worship things instead of God. That leads to, to all sorts of destructive behaviour. It talks about all the different things that happen broken lives and the bottom line is all is guilty so Paul outlines this in the first probably three chapters and the gospel is the response to that problem to fix the problem and to put it right instead of holding us guilty Jesus came to die as a sacrifice to sin and the gospel means we're declared right and this week you would have read if you were following along with us you would have read Romans chapter 8 Romans chapter 8. And uh, we're going to go there. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. Because this is a really important part of the gospel. So far in this gospel series, we talked about things like forgiveness, repentance, how we're loved by God, how, we're, uh, how we can be at peace and rest with God. And this is a pivotal... Can you say that? Say that to the person next to you. Pivotal. A pivotal scripture or a verse in in this book and it's and it's it's a very famous verse and we're going to read it now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus your Bible might say there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus and because you belong to him the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death it's a powerful verse any classical music lovers here? There's a few, isn't there? Yep. Johann Sebastian Bach wrote a song about this. He did. He called it Jesus My Joy, and it's about Romans chapter 8. You'll have to look that up when you get home. It's in, it's in German, so you might not understand it. Some of you might. Jesus Mein Freud. Is that German? Any Germans here? Close enough, is that? Nothing like it? Okay. See? 
Always good to check the preacher out. So there's no condemnation for those who belong in Christ. We're going to uh, explore this a little bit, but we're gonna, let's pray to start with. Lord, I thank you for the power of the gospel. That means we can be forgiven, that we, we can be made right with you. We thank you for what you've done. And today I thank you that because of that gospel, you declare that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Who's ever felt condemned? <laughs> Anyone? Ever felt condemned? Uh, the gospel is meant to free us from condemnation. If we read those verses in the Message Bible, it says this. With the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, the fateful dilemma has been resolved. Those who enter the, into Christ being here for, for us no longer have to live under the low-lying black cloud, the continuous low-lying black cloud. A new power is at operation, the life-giving or the spirit of the life in Christ. And like a strong wind has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny in the hands of sin and death. The black cloud, that's, that's a good picture of condemnation. Who remembers Eeyore? Eeyore. Any Winnie the Pooh guy, people here? Eeyore. Eeyore travelled around and he always had a black cloud over his head, had his own ecosystem, didn't he? The black cloud of condemnation. Oh me, oh my. And I think condemnation is like a black cloud that stops the sunshine of his grace, the warmth of his love. It's a filter you don't want to have. And condemnation usually comes to us when we mess up. We do something wrong. The Bible calls it sin. We miss the mark. We make a mistake. We lose our temper, we get involved with something we know we shouldn't be involved in, we watch something we shouldn't think, believe we should be watching, whatever it might be, it's called sin. And uh, we know we're wrong, it messes us up, it messes with our relationships. Hey, we've all been there. And sin leads to guilt, we start to feel guilty. Anyone ever feel guilty? No one? Okay. Um, Guilt is a state as well as a feeling. Either you're guilty, you know, the judge declares you're guilty, that's a state. But it's also a feeling, isn't it? You feel guilty at times. And guilt can lead to shame. Ooh. So many people carry shame. What does shame do? Well, it weighs us down. It's like carrying a, a brick full of back, in our backpacks, you know, full of bricks on our... And, uh, you know, sin might be something we do, but guilt is... And shame is something we carry around with us. And uh, sometimes people put shame on us. Anyone ever said, shame on you? And all of a sudden, whew. Sometimes shame is because of what someone else did, someone in your family. So you've got this shame on your family. It's a weight. Sin is something we do. Shame is something we carry. And it's the opposite to the blessing of God. It's the opposite to forgiveness, life and freedom. And everyone has a past. Hey, your past might be as early as last night. I don't know. But we all have a past. And uh, sin, guilt and shame can lead to this condemnation. 
this black cloud over our life. And the word condemnation just really means, what does it mean? It means death, it means judgment. If a building's condemned, not fit for anyone to live in, pull the thing down, it's disqualified. And I know a lot of people struggle with condemnation. A lot of Christians struggle with condemnation. And, uh, but the gospel declares there's no condemnation when you're in Christ Jesus. So uh, you can live free from it. That's good news. And when we're talking about Romans chapter um, 8, have you, got, you still got your Bible? Someone open your Bible to Romans chapter 8. What did yours say, Sarah? What's the first word? Therefore, therefore, um, therefore, whenever you have a therefore in your Bible, you've got to ask what it's there for. You know that, don't you? So it actually refers to something earlier in chapter 7. Because chapter 8 says, therefore, there's no condemnation. What, therefore? See, when these, these letters were written, they didn't have chapters and verses in them. They were just one long letter. And so when you see a therefore, it's referring to something earlier. To get, that's where you get your context from. And um, in the previous chapter, Paul was writing about a struggle he's having. And it seems he's having a fight with himself. And it's written in a theatric sort of way. You know, I said before the letters were meant to be read, almost sort of in, a little bit like a performance. One method was that when you were reading it, you'd sort of step outside and you, were, you become par- part of the character and then you go back in as part of the narrator. This is what's happening in chapter 7. And um, he's saying things like, I know I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus, I know God's spirit is within me, but I end up doing the things I don't want to do and thinking about the things I don't want to think about. I get so frustrated with myself. Oh, wretched man that I am. Anyone relate to that? So he's, he's sort of playing this part as he's talking about it. And uh, he, he says, I know God's spirit is alive in me, but that seems to be a war between my Christian nature and my old nature. And he asks this rhetoric question. Who will free me from this? And then he answers his question. And he answers the question in verse 25, if you've if you still got your Bible, if you flick back the page. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. He's got this struggle. He seems to struggle with this thing. He condemns himself, but there's an answer. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Then he sort of unpacks that a little bit further. There is no condemnation. You know, when we feel guilty, I think guilt has two edges. I'm going to call it this way, two edges. One is, let's go, you know when, let's go to the good side first. I'm going to call it conviction. It's when the Holy Spirit's whispering in your ear and saying, hey, I think you need to deal with that. Anyone ever had that? And um, you know what conviction is for? Conviction is for one thing only, to lead you to God. Um, it's for freedom, it's for, for forgiveness, 
It's not for punishment. It's not for shame. It's not for fear. And the conviction of the Holy Spirit always leads us to God, not condemnation. It's always about freedom. It's always about repentance. It's always about coming to God. Now, there's another edge to conviction, and this is that. This is where condemnation. And what's the difference? Oh, we feel ashamed and we run from God and try to hide. The Holy Spirit's conviction leads us to God. Condemnation leads us nowhere. It rips us up internally. It causes us to lower our head, bow down. Now, God may convict you, but he'll never condemn you. Because when he taps on your shoulder, it's to lead you to him, not to pull you down. He will never, ever, ever, ever condemn you because there's no condemnation. You know what that word no means? Underline it, because it really means no. No, as in zero, zilch, uh-uh, none. He wants you to run to him, not hide from him. And sometimes we think that one voice is another voice. God convicts to lead us to him. He never condemns us. He never condemns us. That's the voice of our enemy. We need to know that the gospel is about setting us free from condemnation. It's got no place in your life, in my life. When condemnation takes hold, this is what happens. You you lose your vision. You feel that you're not worthy. You can't do what God put in your heart. You lose hope. You know, that's condemnation. Depression, isolation, all that sort of stuff. That's where it takes you. Condemnation makes you feel powerless because it's bigger than you. We've all faced that. You might be free from it today, but you've faced it somewhere, haven't you? You know what I'm talking about. Uh, Others are are facing it right now. You're beating yourself up. And we need to stop punishing, or you need to stop, I need to stop punishing yourself and understand the grace of God, which is freedom from condemnation. You know, condemnation tells you lies. Here's one lie. Well, this is who I am. I'm just, this is just who I am. I'm stuck in this. You are not your sin. You are loved by God. That's who you are. You're not stuck in a pattern. You might fail, but you're not a failure. You know what I'm talking about? You are not your sin. When you understand that, you can be free from it. You are loved despite your mistakes. You are loved. That's your identity. This is my son who I love, who I'm well pleased. You are a new person in Jesus. Now, if you define yourself as your sin, you get stuck in it. This is who I am. I'm this person. I'm a liar. I'm a thief. That'll control your life. Don't listen to that. It makes you powerless because you can't do anything. That's a lie. Here's another lie. Well, I can't get worship and close to God because I feel condemned. I'm not going to take communion this morning because I'm not right. Because my sin is more powerful than the sacrifice of Jesus. You need, when you're feeling your worst, you need to run and worship God, not hide from him. Don't let condemnation lead you or take control of your life. I'm not going to give that power to 
to somebody else. Who's heard of a guy, well, we, we know him as Legion in the Bible, that's not his name. Jesus, Jesus and his disciples, they've just had a big meeting on one side of the lake with thousands of people and Jesus says we need to get in the lake and roll across the other side. Why? Because there's one guy out there who needs us. And they roll across the lake, or sail across the lake, I don't know, and a man meets them on the shore. He's possessed by evil. He, he lives in the cemetery among the burial caves. They try to chain him up, but he keeps breaking the chains. Imagine coming into the boat ramp. You, you meet this guy at the boat ramp. Um, he wanders among the caves and hills, cutting himself and howling out. He's the sort of guy, when you see him, you sort of cross the other side of the road, you know. He's a good candidate for condemnation. When Jesus is some distance away, the man runs to meet him and bowed low. Jesus cast so many demons out of him, they called their name Legion. A legion was a, a group of, of a, between 1,000 and 1,500 soldiers. That's what the word legion meant. So whatever was happening in this guy. Yet when he, who knows what he'd been involved with to get into this state. You know, that just doesn't happen to you. You do some stuff and you just let things in. He's got a past, he's got a big past. Yet when he encounters Jesus, he bows and worships Jesus and found freedom with one encounter with Jesus, which was bigger than 1,500 demons. If all these demons couldn't stop this man from worshipping God, what is stopping us? There's nothing that can stop you coming to God, nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Because you know what our worship focuses on the worthiness of Jesus, not my worthiness. That's why you can always worship. It doesn't, not on my worthlessness, if you want to call it that. Condemnation, condemnation focuses on your mess up, where worship focuses on the worthiness of God. Here's God. Here's another lie of condemnation. Everyone is judging me. It's called projection. Projection. I'm judging myself, so everyone else must be judging me. When you talk to someone and they say, I know what you're thinking. Just going to get a coffee, that's what I'm thinking. You know, people here are to spur you on. The Holy Spirit might be convicting you to do something to change, but no one's judging you. Here's another lie. I'm the only one going through this. Just look at that person next to you. You think you're having struggles. They're probably different to yours, but hey, I saw a couple of husband and wives just deal with some stuff right there. Here's another lie. Well, I'm disqualified. I've blown it. I've just, I've done it so many times. I'm powerless. It's bigger than me. That's another lie. Uh, the book of Romans tells how the gospel frees us from condemnation. Now, if you read Romans chapter 8, and, it, you know, we've said this before, it starts with there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And at the end of the chapter says nothing can separate us from his love. So no condemnation means nothing can separate us, no separation. 
from the love that is in Christ Jesus. Uh, in Romans 8, about verse 30 in the Message Bible, I'll just read this. It says this. It's a paraphrase. You think that any, anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? No way. No trouble, no hard times, no hatred, no hunger, no homelessness, not bullying or threats or backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. The book of Romans is all about how God has made us right. That's the good news. You know, you know what something annoys me? Sometimes we can pull scriptures out of context and we read one part of the story and not the next part of the story. Focusing on our state instead of focusing on what Jesus did. Romans 3.23 is an awesome verse, but it's even more awesome with the verse after. Romans 3.23, can we put that up handy? For everyone has sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. That's the one we quote. That's... uh, It's good, but it's condemnation because we forget to read the next verse. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus. He's freed us from the penalty of our sins. You read one, that's like the prologue of the book, or chapter one. You need to read chapter two. Make sure we get the full story or the full statement. This morning, I just want you to catch there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. This week I wrote a little uh, blurb in one of our Instagram things. But, but being in Christ was a little bit like being in the ark, Noah's day. Okay, you Noah in there, the animals, there's a couple of giraffes in there, a couple of elephants, and you're in the ark. Being in the ark is like being in Christ. Those in Christ, there's no condemnation. Those outside the ark were condemned because they were in the water. Those inside the ark were saved. Now, some of them had better characters than others. Some of his family were good and some were a bit on the journey. They were saved not because of their worthiness or their character. They were saved because they were in the ark. And we're saved because we're in Christ. When they're in Christ, we're not condemned. And that's a picture of... uh, condemnation. In Christ there's salvation. Your salvation is dependent on whether you're in Christ, in the ark. I love John 3.16. Who loves John 3.16? God so loved the world that he gave his, what was that? Only son that who believes in him shall not perish but have. And John 17 it's even, even gooder, or it's good as well. For God sent his son not in the world to judge the world. If you read in NIV or ESV or whatever, it says God did not send his son to condemn the world. That uses that word. But to save the world. When uh, Jesus got his name, the angel came to Mary and said... You shall call his name Jesus, which means, well, was it? Yeah, wonderful counsellor. In that one, it says it means saviour. Saviour, not condemner. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For 
God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Romans chapter 8, there's no condemnation. Straight after that, it, 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 if you read in Romans chapter 8 a little bit further through, it says sort of this. Uh, it asks all these questions. It says, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is on our side, who's going to be bigger than that? If you're in the playground and you've got the biggest, the biggest brother with you, if God is for you, and then it says this, who would ever accuse whose God has chosen? There's no condemnation. Who would dare target God's chosen? And then it says something like this, and so who will condemn us? And he's asking these questions and he's, the answer is, well, no one. No one. And then he says, who will separate us from the love of God? Because when you're not condemned, you're not separated from God's love. Who or what? You know, we get probably condemned by the who or the what. The what by what we've done. <laughs> the who by the voices. Your voices in your head, <laughs> mostly. Who talks to themselves? Yeah. They say that when, when someone says something on the outside, we say about six times as much to us ourselves on the inside. Where I'm saying, Sarah, you're not condemned. She's saying, yeah, but what about this one? And all these other things. It's our self-talk. Uh, Jesus really addressed this in John chapter 8. I'm going to finish with this. And uh, it talks about the voices of condemnation. And in John chapter 8, it says, an adulterous woman is dragged before Jesus. She's got a bit of a brand on her already. She hasn't even given a name, just an adulterous woman. And it says, they caught her in the very act of adultery. Dragged her out. Wow. Not the guy. Come on, ladies. Just a girl, caught her in the very act. So, and they dragged her to Jesus. Now, Jesus couldn't even question if she's guilty or not because you know, they dragged her from the bedroom somewhere, caught in the act. So no one's questioning whether she's guilty. She knows she's guilty. The people who dragged her know she's guilty. Jesus knows she's guilty. She's guilty. And... Uh, and she's not coming to Jesus for forgiveness. She's been dragged there by somebody else. You know, when you, like, when you try to get your kids to church when they don't want to come. He's dragged there. She's not, you know, coming to the feet of Jesus to forgiveness. She probably doesn't want to be there. And she's, I can imagine, broken all these people around. And the account goes, Jesus, at the time Jesus was teaching life to people, right? And uh, the Pharisees drag her in front of Jesus. Isn't it? And it's quite often when Jesus is trying to talk to us about good stuff. It's like the enemy drags these things. These things to condemn us, to get our attention so we don't hear the words of Jesus. And the people who dragged her there, they weren't, in, they weren't interested in justice. 
Otherwise, they would have taken her to the chief priest or somewhere else where they were supposed to take her. They just wanted to condemn her and discredit Jesus because they asked Jesus, Jesus, the law says we have to stone her. What do you say? Because they're trying to trick him. They're trying to get him to say something where he can uh, discredit. And Jesus, it says he writes, starts to write something in the dust. Who knows what he's writing? What's he writing, Nathan? I don't know what he's writing, but he writes for a while. I don't know if he's thinking, but he's writing stuff down in the dust. And he stands up and he says, okay, all right, you're right. The, the law says we stone her. Um, you without sin, you cast the first stone. And uh, you who have never sinned, cast the first stone. Then he started writing on the dust again. I don't know, maybe he's writing what they were up to the night before. I don't know what he's writing there. But he's writing something. And um, it says, starting with the oldest and the widest, they began to go home. Just the young guys there in the end and they eventually dropped their stones and went as well and in the end there's just Jesus and the woman there and she's still guilty and Jesus said to the woman where are your accusers didn't not even one condemn you no my lord she says he says neither do I go and sin no more who condemned you? No one. Neither do I. Go your way and sin no more. This is really important. I, th I think it's really important. It's when you know that you're not condemned that you can change. He says, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. And um, so the accusers go one by one and the only voice she hears now is the voice of Jesus. It's pretty important because... The voice of Jesus has come to free us from condemnation. The only way to get victory over sin, I believe, is when you know you're not condemned. Receive is the Holy Spirit empowers you to change. That's when you can change. That's when you can go and sin the more, when, when you're walking with God, not when you're trying to struggle by yourself. So he didn't condone what she was doing, but he didn't condemn her. He reached out and somehow empowered her to do something different. Uh, back in Romans it said, who, who, uh, who sh shall separate us? Who is condemning you? And sometimes you need to deal with the voices of condemnation in your head. And uh, because we, we get them all the time. And it's Romans chapter 10, if you want to look it up later, about three to five, it talks about dealing with voices that come at us or, or strongholds. And it says, take captive every thought or every voice and make it obedient to Christ. In other words, when these thoughts come, when these voices come, you grab hold of them. It's like, and yet see if it lines up with what God says. And if it doesn't, you get rid of it. That says that's how you break strongholds. So you break things like habitual sin, habits. Uh, it's to 
capture them. Because when those voices are, are gone, you can clearly hear his voice. Hey, I don't condemn you. And when Jesus is on your side, it releases the Holy Spirit's power within to change. And I believe, I firmly believe, the only way to get victory over things like that, things that bind us, sin that sort of tangles us, is to know we're not condemned. God is for us. No condemnation, first, victory, second. Who condemns you? No one. Neither do I. Go and sin no more. So now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that your good news says that we're a child of God, that we're accepted, that we be made right through our faith in Jesus. This is the good news. There's now no condemnation because we belong to you. Lord, we receive that, Lord. And I pray there'll be freedom in this place here today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You know, I just feel to pray just to maybe... uh, lift off condemnation and if you've got something that's just been weighing you down like a black cloud that's been coloring your life almost leading your life i'm going to pray that it'll be like the fresh wind of the holy spirit blowing and and blowing clouds away that black cloud away lord and if if we're trapped anyone's trapped in just a habit, destructive habit, some sort of sin, something that's we just know it's not good for us. You promised to free us from sin, Lord. So right now we we just give that to you. We we confess it. We we say, Lord, forgive us. And Lord, as that happens, Lord, I pray there'll be a divine exchange where. It's just like something is lifted off our shoulders. That the freedom of the Holy Spirit will come. And Holy Spirit, I pray you fill us afresh, Lord, because you're the one who leads us in a a life-giving walk with you. You're the one who empowers us to overcome. Lord, I pray for freedom, Lord God. I pray for, pray for burdens to be lifted. In Jesus' name. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. He's talking about this as well. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Because you are worthy, Lord God. 
Thank you, Father. If you're able to, maybe just lift your hands to him and, and thank him. There's, there's the power of worship. It just, it, it will, it'll help you, uh, allow you to be filled afresh with his spirit. Thank you, Father. We need you. You are worthy, Lord God. Thank you that nothing can separate us from the love of God which we have in Christ Jesus. Nothing on the earth, under the earth, nothing created, nothing in this world could ever separate us from the love of God. Thank you, Father. And I declare that no condemnation. I declare that each one is accepted. And I, I pray for freedom in Jesus' name. I pray you'll break chains that seem to hold us in those places. We pull down those strongholds, those voices, uh, and we replace them, Lord, with your words and your, your spirit, Lord. Thank you for the goodness, your goodness, Lord. Amen. Amen.